champions of England. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of TCK's Premier League podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Polly Costello, and Elliot Niblock. Polly, welcome back. Thank you. How was your time off? It wasn't exactly time off so much as just timing didn't work out. No, nah, that's true. So well, you did have a birthday. Oh, my birthday was months ago. Oh, uh, the, the present, <laughs> the present that I got was just uh, just a, a recent, uh, probably the first time I'd seen that group of friends together. Like, or just we had gotten together for the North London Derby as we always do, and they decided to get me a, a nice troll gift. Oh, it was okay. a plus trolling on their part on their point. Okay, I thought you had a birthday, but <laughs> oh well, then never mind. Yeah, you got a. I saw saw the photo. You got a very nice shirt, a man U jersey, and what's on the back? It says special one. There we go. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> I mean that that's pretty funny. I got. I it was got, hilarious. Yeah. It was it it was hilarious. They made me put it on, and then I was afraid that if we won, I would have to wear it again. And yeah. Yeah, they did win. We'll get to that later, and you'll have to explain more about your shirt and your friends. But uh, we'll kick things off with what happened on Saturday. Uh, Sunderland took their first win of the season. They defeated Bournemouth 2-1. to uh, David Moyes serving a one-game touchline ban. And then they go and win. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It was a good weekend for managers that watched the game from the stands. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it would come sooner or later. Uh, I don't think they would go 38 games without winning at least one. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know that they're going to win more than two. <laughs> that's bound to happen eventually. Like, if you think about it, you know, we, we got we got the team that came out of nowhere and won the league. We got that team, and we got the team that won an entire season without losing. So, you know, if you think about it in the NFL, even though that's only 16 games, we got the team that didn't win once and we got the team that didn't lose once. So it's only a matter of time before some team just comes along and doesn't pick up a win. That's going to be the worst. I mean, I don't know how you would be able to follow a team like that. Darby County got like 11 points one year. Yeah, but they at least won a game. Well, so did Sunderland. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's rough being a Sunderland supporter right now. Uh, but hey, they can at least celebrate this win. Uh, Victor Anochebe. It's not so rough. Their biggest, their biggest rival is uh, in the championship, so they have that going over them. Yeah, but they might oh, be that, swapping places. And that year, uh, Darby got one win, eight draws, twenty-nine losses. A goal differential of minus 69. Ooh. The team that came in 19th had 35 points. <laughs> man, oh man. Mm, about 38 straight losses. That would... No one said you had to lose 38 games. You could go. You could get 20 draws and uh, 18 losses. Yeah, and you... but then you still have 20 points. That's not... I, wanna, I mean, if you're going to do it, you do it right. And you lose 38 games. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's the way you do it. I don't think that will ever happen. And I mean, getting less than what Derby got, I mean, that that's going to be tough, too. I mean, I don't think that... 
I don't think that this Sunderland team is winning more than five games this season, oh, but I do no. think that they'll, you know, they'll they'll probably get at least another one or two victories. <laughs> That's still so sad. I, I know it's 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 hard. <laughs> like, to yeah, they might they, they might get twenty points. Hey, yeah, we'll yeah. see what Apparently, happens. Apparently, from what I've from what I've heard. Um, David Moyes' job was apparently on the line. I think that's a little ridiculous. I don't think it yeah. is because I don't think he's the right man to rebuild this team even if they do go down and if, if they have the mindset that they're going to go down. Okay, but think about what this team was. Um, this team was a, a team that was really bad last year and you hired Sam Allardyce and he pulled a non-relegation out of his ass and the team didn't the team then just stayed put they didn't do anything in the transfer market other than signing a few of united's academy players that were never going to make it in the first team and you're expecting them to all of a sudden do much better i mean a rebuilding job takes years it it can't just take a whole season and even then maybe you're going to turn the corner next week maybe you won't um but you can't just hire a guy and say you have three months to prove no, yourself. But I, I mean, I, what happened to patience? Yeah, but we were talking about and this And this is what's were, bothering me. We were talking about this when you were gone. If he would have come in at like, like what Rafa Benitez did at Newcastle, he would come in during the season and go down with them, then yeah, I could see him stay on. But coming in before, you know, coming in during the summer, he did make 10 signings. So it's not like they didn't do anything. And then you can well, question the quality of him- players. Maybe you shouldn't give him signing power because his signings haven't been the best overall. He's not really that great. He had one good year signing players, and that's the year that they that he sold Wayne Rooney and he signed like Mikel Arteta, Julian Lescott, and Fellaini at Everton. After that, his signings like uh, Billy Oletinov at Everton was pretty terrible. Um, all of his other like high pro Joe Brazilian Joe, what an awful bust he was. So many of those those big name signings that are quote unquote big name for Everton signings that he made at Everton were bad. At United, he had one signing who was awful. Um, granted, he was the one that tried to to that was the the spearhead behind signing Ander Herrera, who's been a great signing. So we'll give him credit for that. Um, he made ten signings. How many of them are already injured? That's you know like. I'm I'm just not convinced it's, about Moyes as a manager. So. If if he came in in the middle of the season, he would be playing with the house with house's money, which is kind of ridiculous. Because whatever happened to letting somebody, you know, these things don't happen overnight. And I understand I'm about to sound ridiculous because I'm I'm or I'm about to sound like a hypocrite because I'm pleading for David Moyes' job because I think it's ridiculous to fire somebody that you just brought in. And you have to give him time to settle in. And 25 minutes from now, I'm probably going to be calling for the firing of a certain manager who <laughs> has been managing his club for the exact same amount of time as David yes. Moyes. Yeah. And under the same reasoning that you just said was, I don't think he's the right man for the job. I just, I think they have to give David Moyes a fair shot. And I just don't think he has a very talented team around him. No, he does. I mean, Sunderland has been awful for years now. And they've gone through managers... I think they've had like seven managers in the last eight years or something like that. So, yeah, yes, I mean, they absolutely need, need some continuity, but I, I just don't see Moist being the right man. 
But hey, they got a win. They did get a win, and I'm I'm also gonna I'm also gonna you know I'm gonna use this line. It's here comes another one. You know your your team is being led by a 34 year old striker, so like you know give him the benefit of the doubt. Even though in 25 minutes I'll have a wildly different take on that. <laughs> At least I'm self aware. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's touche. Points yeah. for and that. I mean, good on them for grabbing a winner too, because they went down to ten men. Uh, Stephen Pinar got sent off in the 59th minute. Don't say or two. They let them win two before you say a win or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, wait, what happened to Bournemouth here? Because they were just playing well. Like yeah. I'm actually genuinely they... surprised that they got the win over Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean they. Bournemouth did score first in this fixture, and also, you know, I think that they—I think it was Stanislas who had a chance to score and just sent it just wide, and it mm-hmm. clipped the post and went out. I mean, I—I I think Sunderland, all credit to them, good job, all three points, first time this hey, year, hopefully Bournemouth. not the last. But Born like Bournemouth were a little unlucky and maybe even a little wasteful to not get at least a point from this game. Well, that's that's also the thing is is they were you know wasteful, which is I expected more out of Bournemouth, and they have more England internationals on their team than Sunderland do. Current England internationals. Yes, oh so that's a whole other conversation which we will get to later in the week. <laughs> yeah, Jack Wilshire got called. Up. Hey, at least he looks healthy. Yeah, he okay. Looks, he looks healthy, but he doesn't look like he's going to light the world on fire at the international level. Ailsill. You know what? You know what though? You know what? We'll talk about it later in the week, but you don't need to. And and good. Then if that's what if that's the case, then good on England for picking him. You don't need eleven guys that are going to light the world on fire. But I think he was. I just I thought Bournemouth were doing well. They had, they had gotten themselves some wins. They were going to look like they were going to go on a nice little run, build themselves a nice little pad for the second half of the season so that they could, you know, do a nice good job of staying just above the relegation fight. So like, you know, they'll be at the bottom of the table, but not in relegation danger. Uh, And then they go out there and they lose to Middlesbrough, which isn't as bad of a loss anymore. Now that they've, you know, drew, they drew Arsenal, they beat Bournemouth and they, they drew Man City, but it's still, I'm a little bit disappointed in, in anyhow. And Bournemouth. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, they come back from the international break with a trip to Stoke, and as hard as that place is to play in, I, you know, I still think that they we've got to expect them to get something from that game. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, let's move on though. Burnley they played at home in Turf Moor. That means that they got a win. They defeated Crystal Palace three two after a late late winner by Ashley Barnes uh, they went up two nothing inside 15 minutes in this one and then Palace came storming back but Barnes yeah had been on more than like eight minutes so yeah. good on him uh, it was the the ball that he sent out wide was a little bit overplayed but fortunately the cross back to him was just inch perfect for yes. that winner yep yeah, Sam Voke scored in the second minute, and then Yuan uh, Goodmanson made it 2-0 in the 14th. Connor Wickham finally scored again. Good on him. And then Christian Benteke, who's been playing well for Palace, tied things up with a penalty kick in the 81st minute. And right there, I mean, I was watching the game, and it felt like, okay, well, Palace is just going to keep on rolling here and grab a winner. But Burnley 
pulled it out and a good on them because they haven't been very good away from home so they definitely need to uh, get as many points as they possibly can at Turf Moor. It actually amazes me how teams can be so good at home and then just look like the worst team in the league yeah. that's not named Sunderland as soon as they leave their stadium. Like, I get it. It's intimate. You got your fans supporting you, but, like, it's still the same field and the same game. Yeah. Well, it's not It's not always the same field, you know, both in terms yeah, of Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, pitch. like, but, like, these fields – Quality of pitch, I understand, but these in these day and ages, but the, in the Premier League, like if you're not named Blackpool, like games don't get canceled because of frozen pitches anymore. Like they all have, you know, state of the art heating systems underneath the underneath the field. Obviously, grass doesn't grow that well. Um, but I forgot when he said it, but he said it at, when he was the manager of United. Sir Alex Ferguson said, you know, you can't blame the pitch. Like he said, Old Trafford in January doesn't have the best pitch in the world. No. Uh, none of them do. You know, grass doesn't grow. That's just the thing. It's cold. But, you know, it, these pitches aren't exactly bumpy and full of divots the way they used to be. They're not slops of mud. Like, and, and we talked about this last January, and we'll talk about it again next January, is one of the reasons I love the FA Cup is I love watching these teams go to these second and third division stadiums where they are playing on a slap of mud. And it's yeah. just old-school English soccer, and that doesn't happen at the Premier League level anymore. So quality of the pitch, I don't I don't buy that. I And the width of the pitch, I understand that's a real thing. It just boggles my mind how that's a real thing because – those the the width of the pitch varies by like three or four yards. Like, how does that make that much of a difference? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think that it is mostly mental, not actually the quality of the surface or the dimensions of the field more than anything else. I mean, the but, dimensions actually, I feel like though they actually play a part. They though. do. Yeah, they they, they do. But it's more the you know do. the twenty thousand screaming fans cheering on Burnley to get a winner, and yes. then they do. But like the but again the dimensions vary by three or four yards. It's not like in baseball where you know in one stadium you hit the ball right down the line and it's three hundred ten feet and it's a home run, and in another <laughs> stadium you hit it three hundred fifty five feet and it's still in play. Like it's two or three yards, and it it just boggles my mind how that makes such a difference. And, and kudos to Burnley because they take advantage of that. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, good on them grabbing a win at home. Um, someone did not get a win at home. That was Manchester City, dropping points against Middlesbrough. Ooh, Ooh. It's a little wire of joy in your voice there, Seb. When what? you made that transition. <laughs> hey, after their performance against Barcelona, we all thought they were going to run over Middlesbrough. Um, or no, not really. I'm almost torn on. Not really, because I I'm only said they were going to win with two nothing. Um. But yeah, 1-1 one, one draw. Uh, late goal by Martin Daron uh, to tie things up. Aguero scored in the first half uh, on a good little ball by uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, better than a good little ball. And yeah, also a good little ball. Oh. I, yeah. I mean, he sent it one hop right into the strike. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's a perfect fucking pass. It's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Uh, come on, I got, I've got to give, make you give them at least a little bit of love, given their recent stumblings. Yeah, uh, which I mean, you know, don't, it, I, 
continue to take some schadenfreude joy from that, by yeah. all means. I mean, it was sort of like what we saw with uh, Manchester United against Burnley, uh, although City only had 21 attempts against United. They have like 37 against Burnley, but uh, they had a lot of attempts, and they really should have put this to bed. I mean, Polly, like, what do you what do you make of this? Can we can we continue to draw out to talk about the Man City quote unquote collapse, even though they're sitting in third, two points off the lead? I don't know if it's a collapse. I just I just don't think they've figured it out yet. And it it again, like, what's going on? Because yeah, like Kevin De Bruyne plays a brilliant ball into Sergio Aguero. Kevin De Bruyne is having a fantastic season. Sergio Aguero. Uh, who at one point this year actually looked like he was going to score 45 goals. Now he only looks like he's going to score. He's going to score 35. Fantastic season. Like, how is this not? How are they not able to do this over 90 minutes or over at least 70 minutes? You know, they should be able to score five goals in 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. They have the talent. And if you're off for the if you're off for the final 20 minutes and you concede two or three goals over the course of the 90 minutes. So be it. You'll win 5-3. I, I don't get why it's not clicking other than the fact that, you know, maybe Pep isn't as good as we thought he was. Well, you know. And he's and there's no denying Pep has done great things. Um, he's done some great things, and he's he's capable of pulling out, you know, great games. You know, we just saw them pummel Barcelona. That was great. But at the same time, we also saw them get pummeled by Tottenham. So it, it goes both ways. And it's, it's, you're going to have your Tottenham games and you're going to have your Barcelona games. And it's what you do in all the other games that matters. And right now they're struggling. I mean, to me, I still, I look at this team and it, in many ways, it reminds me of the kind of long arsenal malaise that we saw after, you know, really after the departure of Sol Campbell, even like Sol Campbell and Gilberto, right? And like those core players at the heart of defense and defensive midfield. And I look at this city team, and it still looks like a team that's begging for both a company and a Yaya Torre in his prime, right? Think back to when they won the Premier League. And I look at that team, and that is a team that I think in this fixture against Middlesbrough, yeah, they keep a clean sheet. And that to me is the biggest uh, here's difference. One well, and in addition, they is... don't have a reliable goalkeeper. I mean, I just, I think that, you know, they're they're gonna win a lot of games by knocking in four or five goals, but they're also just they they just don't look like they've found the answer. And it does. I mean, it, it strikes me as similar to Arsenal in searching to fill that gap. And you know, filling that gap took years for Arsenal to do adequately. I mean, my only problem with that is you could get Vincent Company back. You're not getting Yaya Toure in his prime back. No, of course not. That's yeah. that's the thing. Also, I'm now you know Middlesbrough getting the draw here. It also makes the their draw at Arsenal seem not as bad for Arsenal, and it terrifies me of what's going to happen when they come to Old Trafford. Mm, I mean, we said beforehand they're looking the best of the newcomers. Yeah. yeah, we said that in August, and then in September and October, they were so bad. They were really bad for, like, five weeks there. Okay, here here's a, a question for you guys, coming off the heels of this 1-1 City Millsborough draw. If you, if you could swap out Claudio Bravo 
for Victor Valdez. Would you? Yes. Sure. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Isn't that isn't that just so like it, it that I feel underscores the problems of this Man City team. Well, I mean, at right? this point, at this point, I would play Caballero before I play Bravo. But I'd play Valdez. Before I, I would bring before. back your heart from loan and play him. Yeah. yeah. Whoa! I mean, when did Joe Hart get a soft J in his name? <laughs> so, well, I mean, you know, he's been down there in the continent. They do things differently there. Exactly. Eating pasta. still Italy. <laughs> Yeah, dude, the guy's living the dream right now. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, or so, is yeah. he Torino? Is yes. that that's the club he's at? Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So, moving on. West Ham and Stouk. <laughs> I love that. 1-1 one, one draw. Uh, Paul, you thought it was going to be 2-2 in this one. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I was convinced that I put one one, and then I checked, and I was like, no, I did not. So you know, you know, what's funny is that I was gonna put one one, and then I decided, ah, no, I'm gonna play defense and pick the same scoreline Paulie did. <laughs> so you're I lucky thought, that I was conservative. I also, I, I made mine when I was, I was tired Thursday night, so like, you know, some of the, the thought, the thought process between some of them only took about 15 seconds rather than actually thinking it through. But Stoker back on form. And West Ham, I thought we're putting we're putting it together. Um, the violence in the crowd has worked. The police are now taking steps to like prevent it. So good on them making that stadium your home. And that's step one. And the draw against Stoke is nothing to be too ashamed of. Obviously, both of these teams had high expectations coming into the season, but I just at this point I think this is what they are. You know, they're going to finish ninth, tenth, eleventh in that region. I mean, I also. I, can we just can we just say something for how beautiful Stokes' goal was in this game? I mean, I know that I think that you can take a look at um, Adrian West Ham's keeper and say that he really probably shouldn't have come out for that ball. Yeah. But like that clip over the keeper, accompanied by a first-time volley for the goal, was just great. It's just great to see. I mean, that's why we love the game. That's why we love Boyan, right? No, we don't. Yeah, that's why I love Boyan. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of former uh, Barcelona players under Pep who have found their way into the Premier League. Yep. Yeah, that was his second goal of the season, coming off the bench there for them. So, I mean, it, it was a decent result for both teams. Uh, right now, Stoke, they're in 11th, and West Ham are down in 16th, but there's only four points separating Watford in 7th and... West Ham in 16th, so. Uh, looks like it can be quite the fight there in the middle. Yeah. Are we above Watford in 7th? Yes. You know nice! It's 6th place. Raise it, rising up through that table, beware. Oh, oh yeah. 4th place, don't be too aware. Don't be too aware. <laughs> <laughs> and then Saturday, we capped it off with Chelsea putting on a performance against Everton, taking a 5 nothing win. Another win, another clean sheet. They moved up uh, into second place here. And, yeah, I mean, we've been praising Chelsea for a while here now, and they just keep on rolling. Yeah, yeah I uh, – oh, speaking of teasing our international discussions, I was 
frustrated with Antonio Conte's snub of Sebastian Giovinco for the Euros this season, who is continuing to get snubbed for his play in MLS. But his, if you play in MLS, you know the consequences. Yeah, well, okay, we'll save it for Thursday. But, um, but, it, but I, I mean, they're they look like the team to beat in the Premier League right now. And I would, I would even say hands down. Granted, you know, Liverpool hit more, and we'll get to that in a second. But to me, they're, they also have some question marks at the back, as Liverpool certainly do. But they have inarguably a better goalkeeper behind them. And I do think the three at the back formation that Conte has gone to is continuing to work well. And until teams find an answer for that, then, you know, you've got to look at Chelsea and expect them to keep winning. Yep. I love it. I love it. Because the 3-4-3, three, three, that's like the formation that, you know, your your child plays when he's in seventh grade. And, like, the coach is like, well, we do want to score goals. We want to have fun. We want to, like, have offense and stuff. So we're three. We'll have four midfielders. And, and we'll have three forwards up there. Like, that's, you know, that's the formation of fun. It's better than the 4-2-3-1 of, like, hey, let's make sure everybody's playing defense and occasionally we'll help out the striker. So I love it. And... Let's be honest. Uh, I got my, I got my special one jersey. I kind of wish they would have gotten me the third kit, so I could have had a blue one. So it would have, it would have looked good. But like you're, it's gonna be one of those seasons where I have to take a shower and just, you know, put on my Chelsea shirt and hope that they pull out a title. <laughs> because better, better you than Liverpool or Man City. Yes. Uh, or Arsenal. Yeah. I, I, dis- I disagree with that. <laughs> but but uh, then again, you know, well, you're, I mean, you have you have a local rivalry in the north of England. I've got my rivalries in London, so of course I don't well, want to. I mean, I would be the biggest Tottenham fan in the world if Tottenham could score a freaking goal. And kudos to being unbeaten, guys, but you haven't exactly won any games. <laughs> no, they put on a lot of draws and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But yeah, Diego Costa, he scored again. He's up to nine goals leading the league. Hazard scored twice. He's up to seven, and these are two players that. I mean, where was this last season under Mourinho? Well, Mourinho, you know, he's he's a really good motivator. He's a really good manager, and clearly, he was able to get the best. He's can get the best out of a player like Eden Hazard. Do we think that Mourinho ever ever has played with three at the back? I mean, maybe he he must have at some point. But I wonder if he has in the last decade. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did I, read something last week where apparently he used to play with two strikers. <laughs> yeah. Guy I doesn't mean, know that you're allowed to do that. Yeah. I, do, I just like that Conte sort of, like, he tried it. He was like, yeah, okay, this is not working. Let's go to my style. And everyone's just bought into it, and they look phenomenal, really. Uh, Sunday. Early game. That was the North London derby. Arsenal won. Tottenham won. It, it also won. works better. I like... I yes. like three at the back better when you when you use like when the wide players you use are more wingers rather than fullbacks. Like if if you were to play um if you were to play Matteo Darmian and Luke Shaw as your wing backs, mm-hmm. then your back three turns into a back five pretty much the whole game. Oh yeah. You know, like when you have Victor Moses there and he just knows, like, look, I better get my ass back because I'm the last line of defense down this flank. You end up being more attacking because he's just more of an attacking player. Yeah, and I mean, with this, 
The, sure, you're going to get burned every so often, but it works. It, yeah, and the work rate he's put in and the pace he has, I mean, it's, he's perfect for that role, really. And I think Alonso has done a phenomenal job since coming into the team as well. So, now, London Derby. Uh, Elliot, 1-1. One, one. Uh, well, I mean, this is a natural segue, right? Because, once again, it's uh, three at the back, which Theo Walcott said that he was, com- quote, completely unquote surprised by having three at the back which you know uh, all credit to Pochettino for going to that formation because you know obviously Chelsea are having success with it as we've just been saying did you did you hear Pochettino before the game no oh my god in his pre-match press conference they said all right so you're bringing in Kevin Wimmer like obviously you're trying to do something different here or like just show something different and he just goes maybe maybe not and it was like well no, clearly you are because you're bringing in <laughs> Kevin Wimmer. Yeah. Uh, like, dude, you played your hand already. Like, yeah. we're, we're at the point of the World Series of Poker where, like, you're all in and you flip your cards. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. yeah, it's like holding his cards close to the chest with the cards facing towards the right. other players at the table. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Wimmer, <laughs> he was starting for Tottenham. He scored a beautiful own goal in the 42nd minute. <laughs> To give Arsenal the lead. Uh, that was pretty. Uh, and then Harry Kane tied things up in the second half on a penalty. Uh, Elliot, in, Elliot uh, take the goggles off for a second. Non-biased opinion was the goal offside. Uh, so, there, I was um, on... I, I saw a clip from BT Sport of... Oh, gosh, who was it? It was Ian Wright... Rio Ferdinand and Harry frickin' Redknapp and Happy birthday, Rio. What's that? I said happy birthday, Rio. Is it today? Birthday today. It is today. So same with David De Gea. Huh. It's my birthday tomorrow, actually. Uh, uh, happy early yeah. birthday. I should see I should be getting jerseys with the special one on it, but then I would probably just burn them as effigies, especially if they were Chelsea. Um Anyways, <laughs> but as my t- friend who's an Arsenal fan says, I love having Mourinho in the league as long as it's not my team. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. Uh, and he's, you know, even even when he's winning, he's fun to hate just because he does seem so villainous. <laughs> hey, uh, you know anyway. what? I'll get you an Arsenal shirt with gibberish in the back. <laughs> well, I was going to say, or we can get, get him one of those fake tie ones because they're a little bit cheaper. By the it's way, still like, a jersey, but it's a you know. plus job by N- by uh, NBC and whatever feed that they're taking, and the cameraman for finding Arsen Wenger right at the moment he was going to zip up that jacket during the <laughs> and giving us the full like 15, 16 second of him just sitting there like debating, am I going to zip this up? All right, now I'm going to try to zip it up. All right, it's zipped up and not cutting away from him until that thing was done. Great job by them. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's the, there's, there's some, some good on the fly, uh, camera work working there. But anyway, this, the interview, they, they interviewed Howard Webb on BT sport and oh, he said, to where I was gonna go. what's that? Keep going. Keep going. But, uh, I mean, he, he said in his mind, the goal was not offside because Alexis didn't move to the ball and Shelney did. Um, and, I mean, I understand that it's a gray area, but I also, I mean, I think that it's, it's a, you know, it's a matter of interpretation and you can't totally legislate interpretation out of the game entirely. Right. Because 
you know, is obviously Alexis is tracking the flight of the ball. He's a forward player and the ball is coming into the box in the final third. Right. And, but you know, whether he's making a move towards it or not, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it highlights a gray area, but that, that to me, it was so clear that Howard Webb came on and said, no, this is clearly, this is the letter of the law is this player is offside even if the ball is played in his direction, if another player is the one who is moving towards it, if he's not interfering with the play, then he, you know, that offside position doesn't make the play itself offside. And then Harry Redknapp immediately was just like, well, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think anyone knows what the meaning of the offside rule is anymore. It's like, no, oh, oh, my no. God. Was, he just told you what he me of. Oh, <laughs> Harry. But I, I mean, Harry, Harry Redknapp just sounds like one of those like NFL like talking heads who are just like, well, what is a catch these days? And it's like, dude, you haven't been relevant as a coach in years. And... Oh my gosh, he's like the t- he's he's like the um. What is it? Tony, what is the, a the catch Herm these Edwards. days? He's like the Herm Edwards of <laughs> your of English football. Oh my god, that's so brilliant, uh, Herm Edwards. You're like, such an yeah. Idiot. It's just it's like Harry Redknapp. Who cares what you have to say on the matter? <laughs> And, and, dude, you never managed Arsenal. You managed Tottenham. So if you're going to lean one way, um, I wonder which way you're going to lean. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was the same way. I, I said, oh, that's definitely not – that you know, that's definitely offsides. Like, the guy's in the way. He's making – you know, I think – here's the thing, though. Yes, Alexis didn't make a move towards that ball, but the fact that Alexis was there – was why Wimmer had to go and head it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But then I did see, uh, you know, Howard Webb. I saw a tweet where he, he ex- I forgot what it was, but he explained it very well in his tweet and pretty much said, hey, this is the law. They got it right. And whether or not it's the right, whether or not, you know, maybe that is true. Maybe, maybe Wimmer, you know, headed the ball because Alexis was there. And, and in, in that case, Alexis is technically a part of the play. Maybe that's the case, but the weather of the law, they got it right. So, yeah. Yeah. Good on that. Congratulations. You got a draw. You didn't score a goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another missed opportunity for Arsenal to go top of the table. They slipped down to fourth. They're two points behind Liverpool, one point behind Chelsea, and still level on points with Manchester City. Theo Walcott had a cracking shot off the post today in that game, though. Yes. That he did, which was fantastic. He's looking like he's going to be in great form, which means he's going to start for England next week. And goodbye to that hamstring. <laughs> I, I was I was wondering when the injury was going to come mm-hmm. up into that. Yep, yeah. it's coming <laughs> by this time next week. It, if it hasn't come, it'll be uh, eight days from now. There will be an injured Theo Walcott. I mean, it might take longer than that, but if if Theo Walcott is never held back from injury before the end of this calendar year, I will be absolutely shocked. Yeah, we got about a month and a half to go, so we'll see and we'll see. Hull, they took a 2-1 win over Southampton at home at the KCOM. Uh, Charlie Austin put the visitors up 1-0 on a penalty kick after six minutes. And then uh, Hull came storming back in the second half, thanks to a certain Robert Snodgrass. First, he made it 1-1, and then he provided the assist to Michael Dawson, who made it 2-1. Uh, 
So, yeah, he actually came off the bench in this one, Snodgrass. Uh, Will Keener go off injured in 26 minutes. Uh, they put on Scotsman and he, he put on a show. Can he be, be the one that topples England on Friday? <laughs> good question. Uh, I mean, much good. much needed win for Hull. I mean, they, they yeah. needed that. Because if you... Yeah, it was... What, one, two... If you keep losing, then we'd call you Sunderland. <laughs> or Aston Villa, although they don't have the opportunity for that this year. Well, they have the opportunity to keep losing. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> no, because they, had, they hadn't pulled out a victory since match day two. So, definitely a much-needed one for them. Who did they take on after the break here? Sunderland. There we go. Oh, God. Quick, quick update on Aston Villa. They are not losing in the championship, but they certainly aren't winning either. <laughs> no, they got... 16 games played, four wins, three losses, and a whole lot of draws, sitting, putting them in 14th. Yeah, they got Steve level, Bruce now. How have they done under Bruce? Level on points with Barnsley and Ipswich. There we go. Ipswich Town. Man, I'd like to see Ipswich get promoted. No, no, we don't. <laughs> uh, moving on, Liverpool. They took a 6 1 victory over Watford. Once again, playing some exciting stuff going forward. Uh, Sadio Mane got two. Coutinho, Khan, Firmino, and Vishnaldum also got on the score sheet. So they are sitting at the top of the table now. And they just keep on scoring. Yeah. Yeah. God, they just hammered him. I mean, similar to Chelsea and Everton. They just like, it was just outclassed from beginning to end. Yeah, but I, I feel like a 5 nothing victory is more impressive over Everton is more impressive than a 6-1 to win over Watford. I agree with you entirely on that. Um, both in terms of the class of the op- opposition and also the importance of keeping a clean sheet given how we've been talking about how strong Chelsea are at the back and how Liverpool are a little shaky there. But, you know, still, I'm, six I'm goals so is happy. hard to argue with. I'm so happy we're going on an international break. One of which because... Uh, it's World Cup qualifying, so these are actually interesting international breaks. And two, because I don't have to watch Jose Mourinho for two weeks. And three, because I just need something or anything to break up Liverpool's momentum. And I'll take two weeks without playing a game yeah. as just <laughs> hope and pray that this because they are by far and away playing the best the best ball in the in the in the whole week right now. Except for Chelsea. Close. Uh, I th- I think they're playing better than them. I, yeah, I think that they're playing, you know, as a team, better attacking football than Chelsea are. I think that Chelsea have maybe a little bit more, certainly at least in Diego Costa, more quality at the focal points of their attack. But, you know, in terms of fluidity moving from midfield into attack and finishing, Liverpool are second to none at this moment. Yep, really impressive. And we've said it before. Keep scoring goals. Manchester United, they did hand Bob Bradley a loss. 3-1 win for the Red Devils. Slatan Ibrahimovic, two goals. Paul Pogba, one goal. A beauty. And then Mike van der Horn got one for Swansea in the second half. Um, yeah, where do we want to start with this one? Pogba's goal? 
I was going to say, I don't like what I'm talking about. I have no idea what just happened there. How about, uh... Well, you've been possessed. Yeah, what is this? Poltergeist. Am I better? No. No. What happened? I don't know what happened to you. You sound scratchy and echoey and generally possessed. (laughs) (laughs) Any better? No. Not really. That's weird. It is weird. I'm going to drop you from the call and add you back in. (laughs) Oh, technology. Better? Oh, my God. That was loud. Coming in hot, but I think... Yeah, coming in hot, but yes, better. How about now? Yes, you're good. Okay, Paul Pogba's goal. That was nice. He looked like like Paul Pogba again. Yeah, I mean, this is the goal that you've been expecting him to score since match day one. It's unfortunate for, you know... United and their supporters that it came in match day 11 but my my friend from London was in town this week and we had a nice chat about this on Thursday after United's terrific performance in against Fenerbahce in the Europa League (laughs) and where I just said Paul Pogba would be really 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 good if he just stopped shooting from 30 yards out because he does all these, he he makes all these moves in the midfield. He he makes a move, gets by a defender, makes a great move, and has a great run on the ball. And then instead of like making a pass or playing a ball in to somebody who could attack, he just shoots from thirty yards out, and it goes way over the bar or way wide of the net. And that's it's so frustrating. And then every so often he hits a sensational one like this, which is awesome. But at the same time, it's gonna convince him that he's got the ability to do it. And it's great that you have that kind of confidence, but not until you actually like, like do that on the training ground and perfect it so that you could get it on target seven out of 10 times before you do it seven times in a game. Yeah. I mean, this one was from a little bit closer. What could have this been? 22. Yeah. This one was right from the top of the box and it was a half volley. So anybody's going to, going to take that shot. And he just, he hit, he hit it so well. Yeah. Yeah, and the, then... the big thing is, is it's it's. I mean, I predicted Swansea to win because we haven't beaten Swansea in ages. Uh, I forgot to take into account that, like you know, Mourinho wouldn't be on the touchline. Yes. And we won. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, another manager yeah. who's who was serving Look a. Look at that, Ed Woodward. Yeah. Yeah, and then but... two goals for Slatan. Uh, his two first goals since mid-September in the league. So good for him to start scoring again. This was, this though, it's almost funny. Like, Jose Mourinho was, it, it would have been so easy for him to just run back pretty much the same team that he had been running out there, you know, with, with Rashford and Lingard and probably Mata and Bruni on the bench um, out there. And this, but then it, it just looks like, you know, Jose Mourinho is, is in the stands and the assistant manager is kind of just doing what United have been doing. This the fact that he made all these changes was the most Jose Mourinho thing ever. Like, was him being, all right, I'm going to be in the stands, but I still have the ability to pick the team, so I'm picking this different team so that you know, like, I still made my mark on this game. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, though, he actually got it right. He got it right. I I still don't understand why Fellaini plays at all. But, like, you know, he finally played Carrick, which is good. But this is what I was trying to say a couple weeks ago is, he has two teams. 
on his hands here, and he's just been mixing both of them. He has your fast counterattacking team with Ander Herrera and Rashford and Martial um, and Pogba and Carrick would, would be in that team, I guess, even just to spring the counterattacks. But even if you didn't want Carrick, like, you know, you play Ander Herrera there. And then he has your slower team that's going to pass the ball around and try to break you down technically, and that's Zlatan and Rooney and Mata and uh, and still Carrick, and Pogba fits into both of those teams. So he finally just went. You looked at the team, and, and you said, look, if I just had knee surgery, I would still be the fastest player in the team because there was <laughs> no pace in that team. But at least he, he had all of his passing guys out there, and – when you think about it, it was, yeah, well, Swansea's probably just going to sit back all game and, you know, you don't need pace. You need people that are going to break you down. And that's what they did. And kudos to them. They, he got it right. You know, they, they passed and, and it worked. And you got the best out of Zlatan. Pogba scored a goal. Um, Rooney looked good again. Rooney actually looked good. And and I, I think I tweeted it when he scored on Thursday. Rooney's the kind of guy that when he scores, the floodgates open. He scores in bunches, and I said maybe that goal, because that was not like a tapping goal. That wasn't like a fluff goal like he scored against Bournemouth. That was a strike mm-hmm. that he scored in the Europa League. And I said this might be what gets Rooney going, and he gets the start in this game, and he looked really good. So what did you make of Mourinho's little dig against Chris Smalling and uh, Luke Shaw? What did he say exactly about them again? That, like, they weren't up to snuff or something? Yeah, well, prior to the game, he... Let's see. Let's just read off the quote here. Smalling doesn't feel that he can play 100% with his pain. Luke Shaw told me this morning that he was not in the condition to play, so we had to build a defensive line. And then after the game, he, you know, he was talking about how he only wants people who give... uh, they all and sacrifice themselves. And if you talk to some of the great players, they played through injury and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a very unnecessary comment to make. It's very unnecessary. He's already, he started throwing his players under the bus on Thursday, which is that's year three more in your stuff. And we're in month three. So it's, I mean, this is what you had to expect out of Mourinho. He also, came out after the game and said, I would love to play Michael Carrick every game, but I can't because he's 35 years old and he just can't play every game anymore. And that's fine. That's fine. Carrick is 35. You're right. He can't play. He needs to be rested in certain games. But at the same time, you're playing a 35-year-old striker in Zlatan every game. So, you know, doesn't he need to be rested by that same logic? Doesn't he need to be rested every once in a while? No. And on the other side, on the other side of it, okay, Michael Carrick can't play every game. He could still play more than four. Like, he's played like four times this year. Yeah. No, Carrick should definitely be playing every, at least every other game or two out of three games. Right, yeah, he's two out of three. broke the records on the, the testing and all that stuff. So he's good. He's a, I don't know what you call a unicorn of a man. Look, that might be that might be the case, but don't set. But you know, Michael Carrick is also. Um, they were talking about it on the on the broadcast. They said, you know, Carrick. They say he's, um, he's a little bit slower than the rest of every, than everybody else to put it, to put it in nicely. And they said, but how fast is Michael Carrick? And they said, well, we don't know because he's always in the right position, so that like, he never true. has to use he never has to use that speed. And then yeah. I said, 
I said, okay, uh, I'll put it nicely. If you want to know how fast Michael Carrick is, the answer is not. Yes. She is not fast. But you, whether or not Zlatan's a freak, so maybe if Carrick has, if Carrick is, if Carrick could play two out of every three games, and Zlatan's a freak athletically, he'll play four out of every five. Yeah. But you can't go out there and say, hey, I can't play this guy every game because he's 35 years old, and then be like, but my other 35 year old, I could play him every game. Yeah, but they're two very different players. They are two very different players, but the point is, is Carrick should be playing more often and not every game. I agree with him. He shouldn't be playing every game, but he should be playing more often. And I have no problem with Zlatan being the number one striker. It's that he should also not play every game and get a rest every so often. Yeah. I don't know. He'll have a forced rest, so. Yes, that is true. Yeah, he'll be suspended. How happy are you about that, Elliot? Oh my God, not at all. Because I think that Mustafi and Koscielny match up much better against a player of Zlatan's style than they do against a quick darting striker like Rashford. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there there's some players that it doesn't really matter how old they are. We saw that with Nurslav Klose. He was like, what, 36 when he scored? He made 34 appearances for Lazio that season at yeah. 36, so... I mean, I, I'm not saying that Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't a dangerous player, uh, but I but I do think that in particular, I'm I'm almost more nervous about Rashford, and I I, I don't know. It's so I'll, to answer your actual question, eh, I'm not over the moon about it. Like I'm still nervous about that fixture coming off the international break, especially given our traditional struggles at Old Trafford against Mourinho and in November. I mean, all of the stars seem to be aligning for Arsenal to collapse in this one, but, you know, we'll see what happens, and that's not for another two weeks. Yeah. Rashford does have a pretty okay history against Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Very short history, but yes, nonetheless. Um, He has more goals than games played. He will be taking on his most difficult defender that he's ever faced, though. Unless Koscielny can find the time over the next two games to get injured. Mm-hmm. Will there be a manager taking a dive on the touchline in no. this game? That's what I mean. <laughs> No. Definitely not. Yeah. Have Unless he's been punched out by the other manager. Yeah. <laughs> that could happen in it this could game. Happen. Just wait. Mourinho's going to put Rooney up front. Just wait for it. Oh, right. No, I, that's what I was also you, – you said that. You said that on, on Sunday. You texted me and you said, you're going to get your wish. Rashford's going to start up top. And my response, I responded with, he has a good history against Arsenal. My other response was, watch, he's going to play Rooney up front yeah. with, like, Mata and Marti. He's going to do that mixing-matching thing where, like, we have half speed and half not. Yeah. And Carrick and Fellaini will be the holding midfielders. And Alexis and and Ozil and Ramsey are just going to run right through them. Yeah. Oh okay. God, and Marcos Rojo at oh. <laughs> we'll see what happens. God, I don't man. know if Rojo plays. an international break. I got to yeah. take my mind off this. Yeah. Uh, I know Swansea wasn't the biggest test, but how did you think that Phil Jones looked? Phil Jonesy. Phil Jonesy, <laughs> first league appearance of the season. He looked Phil Jonesy. Like, I have no problem with Phil Jones playing every once in a while, and if we wanted to sell Phil Jones, I have no problem with that either. I would have a problem, though, if Mourinho goes and sell Smalling and Shaw. I don't think he will. 
He's smart enough to not do that, I think. I don't know. I'm giving him a lot of credit here when I shouldn't be. Because then he would probably have to replace them with other English players because of the quota. Ah, true. And I just don't see who would be an upgrade, really. I, I mean, that's logical and reasonable. Here's the question. Yes. Um, define English. Do they have to, like, be... You know, if you are if you are born in England but you don't play for England, do you fit the English quota? I mean, you gotta have played X amount of years between the age of like sixteen and whatever it is, twenty one. Oh, okay, so but... Cameron Porter Vickers would fit that profile just fine. I think so. Yes. Wait, so that's interesting to me though that the quota is based on participation in the English FA youth squads, not on nationality. Yeah, because yeah. Pogba counts as a homegrown player. Exactly. An 89 million pound homegrown player. Yep. <laughs> uh, what a world we live in. Well, I mean, that that's why you had, like, Fabregas. He was considered an, an homegrown player for Arsenal. Yeah. Since yeah. he was there at such a young age. Um, Do you remember when... Oh, no, that was Mikel Arteta, when England tried to get him a passport? Yeah. What an idiot. He should have done that. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's never going to play for Spain. Well, he's retired, so he never will play for Spain. No. Yeah, I, I, well, I said he was <laughs> never going to. He still will never. Yeah. That has con- continued to be the truth. So, yeah. Uh, uh, problems continue for Swansea, though. How much time do you think Bradley needs to get this what, in order? Needs or, like, how much time does he need or how much time is he going to get? I mean, they're not going to... F- Honestly, they cannot fire a second manager during the season. No. They've got they've got to give him right. Yeah, you know, even if it would be extremely capricious of them to fire him before the end of the season, period. But if they don't at least give him through the January window to see if he can bring in anyone, and then see what happens and what it looks like in mid March, you know, if they're, I tell you, you can't what, if, fire him before the end of the season. No, eh, if Sunderland overtake them and they sit rock bottom for six weeks straight then I think you can. But I also don't think that's going to happen. But it's not going to matter. Just started the show talking about, like, Sunderland might win another game. I, I, that's why I said, but yeah, but I was also giving you a theoretical situation in which I think that it's okay to fire the second manager, and I think that that's the case, right? No, if but Swansea, I mean, yeah, but that's, if, that's if the a team as bad as Sunderland overtakes Swansea and they sit bottom for six weeks, then I think it's okay to fire him. But I also just said I don't think that that's going to happen. No. And it doesn't matter, really. That's the thing, too. I don't... Even if Sunderland fires Moyes, I don't think they should do fire him now. No. Yeah. I mean, I... That, that's the one thing that I don't really understand, is that if you're already doomed, there's no point, really. You can just let it go until the summer, and then right after the last game of the season, you say, you're out of here. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... You can't do that. It happens. It happens. Man, there's some teams in like Italy where just managers are. Yeah. Hey, look at Inter, right? Yeah, that um, makes Chelsea look like a. Consistent but, but, job. Uh, no, I understand that it's it's the world we live in and it happens, but it's not the route you want to go. Um, it's not the route you want to go if you want to be successful. 
Now, and I feel differently about it. I, I twofold about it. I do because I last year when when we had the Louis Van Hall thing and people United fans were saying we don't like if we fire him then we become a sacking club and we're not a sacking club. There's nothing wrong with sacking a manager when he's not the right guy. Yeah. Um, uh, the question it's it's a double edged sword though. You know, when does he become? The right, like, how do you, how long do you have to give him to find out whether he's the right guy or not? And, you know, once you know he's not the right guy, you get rid of him. And I think it was, I don't think United made a mistake getting rid of David Moyes. I don't think they made a mistake getting rid of Louis Vignal. I don't think either of them were the right guy. But I also think it's hard for any national media member or international media member, anybody that, you know, doesn't follow, like, that doesn't, live and breathe Swansea on a, on a day or, or whatever club it is to really know or really understands the history and the fan base and everybody. I don't think it's possible for them to really know um, for them to make the call that, Hey, you're not the right guy after two months, the fans and, and the, the actual people that live and breathe the club, they might know after two months, but when well, the they might even know gets, before, right. When the national media gets, gets in on it sometimes the national media makes a mistake and, and then there's so much pressure on you that you have to fire the guy and that sets clubs back I, I i i don't think it was wrong for united to fire david moyes and louis van Hal, but i do think that part of the reason that we haven't been able to climb back to successful to su- successfulness is because we kept had three different managers in the last four years oh yeah i mean continuity yes that that's going to help you and but I'm more critical to the actual hiring of both of them and of Mourinho. I mean, they're just not right. If you hire the wrong guy, you got to fire him. But that, but yeah. that's really what it is. It's it's you got to hire the right guy. Yeah. And so boo on Edward Ward. Boo on it's, you. It's continuity, but you, you know, when you hire the wrong person and then you have to fire him, that's part of the issue. And you have to understand, like the next guy, it's not going to be easy for him. The same way that it's it's not easy for Mourinho. Not that he's a good manager but he's not finding success because this is a team that's had no continuity recently yeah if and you if you would have brought in the right guy right after ferguson retired then uh you could have done some some good things with that club true because you mean you left a flawed but but still very good club on his hands but i mean that now we're starting to see what jurgen klopp is capable of you know he's had some time to jurgen, adapt jurgen klopp was the guy that they wanted to replace Ferguson, yeah. but he had just made the Champions League final, and yeah. or he well, just mean, won the Bundesliga twice, and then and he was on en route to making the Champions League final. So, so I mean, but he he came in, you know, he inherited the squad, whatever, took some time to get his you know system set, and now they're reaping the rewards of that this season. And there's but always also, fine tuning. Wait, but also think yes. about think about year one with Klopp. And think about what the results were, because they were they were very up and down. Yes. Remember, they were in, wildly inconsistent. They would win a game and look brilliant one week, and then look like a disaster next week. They were wildly inconsistent. But think about how the media treated them. Every time they lost and they looked terrible, it was well, he doesn't have his own players, and you got to give him, you got to let him play out the year and give him a summer. You know, yeah. they, with Bradley right now, it's oh well, how long is Bob Bradley going to have? You know, he's he's been in charge of this club for for three Almost. three games yeah. and he hasn't gotten a win yet when's his job going to be on the hot seat like hey newsflash it's not bob bradley's fault that swansea has spent the past four summers only selling their best players nope 
that is very much true. And like I said, I, I still think there's a slim chance we'll see his son come in on loan in January. I really. Oh, poor, uh, he's being linked to Inter, though. Oh, Go God, no. Oh, God, no. Please, no. 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 Please, no. Come on, dude. You're Swedish, not American. Yeah, but he... Go uh, back to Italy. He played his best. He yeah, but I, I don't want to see him at Inter. That's a team I like. I don't want to see him there. <laughs> they got decent central midfielders. They don't need Michael Bradley. Come on. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, moving on. West Brom, they Wait, took a... Yes. What? I just... I don't know if it's... As, as an American, it's... Would you rather see Bradley where he's flour- he's flourished in the Italian league before, would you rather see him fight for a place in a league where he's flourished or go out there and pretty much be Josie out the door where he's going to start every game, but he may not do well in the Premier League. And that might hurt his confidence. That might hurt his game as we approach a World Cup. So it's a it's a little, what, what, what would you rather hear? I mean, I think he needs to play against tougher opposition. Yeah, no, he definitely does. Which, he, which is why it's like it's definitely all right. So if if we say he's going to leave MLS, it's where would you rather him go? And I don't know if there's a right answer into that because maybe he won't ever play. Maybe he won't see the field at Inter. But I think there is a value to fighting for your place in the team rather than just being handed a starting spot. Yeah. And I think Julian Green has been proving that over the last month or so, and other players have. Julian Green's the most recent one to prove that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he would probably get a game in or two at Inter, but they. I mean, well, I, you know, that Michael Bradley, because Michael Bradley was pretty much never a full time starter when he bounced around from club to club in Europe. But that was when he played his best, the best in his career. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I still don't want to see him an enter, but that's a whole different uh, conversation. West Brom, they took a well-deserved two to one victory over Leicester. And uh, yeah, the reigning champs down in 14th place. They're only two points off the drop. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I know it's, like I said, between Watford in 8th and Hull, really, in 18th, you're looking at five points. You know what? I'm going to look at this in the most optimistic way possible. In the last two years, we have seen Chelsea do very well in the Champions League and um and be awful in the first half of the season before rising out from the ashes in the second half of the season to finish, in their case, mid-table. And two years ago, we saw Dortmund do very well in the Champions League while not being able to buy a point in the Bundesliga. They were either last or next to last at the winter break, and they finished seventh. So I'm just choosing to believe that's what's going on with Leicester right now. It is remarkable how they could defend in Europe and they can't defend in England. But then again, the teams in their Champions League group are not that great. But Porto scores at will, seemingly, and they couldn't score against Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one there. But, I mean, they're definitely going for the Champions League, as they should. But as they should. It's, it. it's just a little bit too close for comfort being just two points from a relegation zone right now. Yeah, so, um, I mean, they didn't get enough money for Angola Conte. He should have been. He's probably worth more than Pogba. For Leicester, yes. For Leicester and for Chelsea, look at what he's doing for Chelsea. Oh yeah, he's been he's been great here since the switch of the system too. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, it's almost like apparent that like he single-handedly won them the league last year, practically. I mean, he did a lot of the dirty work. Did all the dirty work. All the dirty work. <laughs> all the dirty work. Yeah. Hot Elliot, what are your thoughts on West Brom? They're up to eleventh now. Oh boy! Speaking of exciting attacking football, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, they I mean, they did what you do best against Leicester now, though. They gave Leicester the ball, sort of, you know, let them have most of the possession and then do West Bromley things. <laughs> do West Bromley things, like trying to nick a goal after bus parking. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I will say that if you told me at the beginning of this season that that West Brom would be sitting in 11th while West Ham are sitting in 17th. I would have said you confused your two West clubs. Yes. But I, I mean, you are drunk, sir. <laughs> I, I just think, but at the same time, I'm, there's only two points separating them. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's a huge thing. And I also think that, West Brom are, I mean, again, credit to Tony Pulis, even if I don't like his style, it's more consistent. So I don't think that, you know, even if they like move up the table a couple places, I don't think we're going to see them free fall the way that we saw Palace do last year, for example. But I also, I mean, don't get your hopes up too high for this West Brom side. I mean, they're they're going to be they're just barely in the bottom half of the table now, but I don't see them breaking into the top half of this table certainly by season's end, you know, with the possible exception of match day 12, maybe not even at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing though. I mean, as long as they're comfortably staying safe, that's a good season for them. Yeah, And I mean, I guess that's okay. Some clubs, that's the goal, you know? Mm -hmm. Hmm? Yeah, or at least the goal for now, right? Because yeah. ideally, you still, you like want to knock on and aim for bigger and better things. But then again, the goal for Leicester City last year was not winning the title, so you never know. No, it was 40 points, and then it was 45 points, and then it was 50 points. <laughs> Just kept going up. <laughs> Okay, let's round things off here. Final thoughts. Uh, Paul, you get to kick things off. Oh, I don't even... I didn't get to think of one. Boo! Um, Final thoughtless. I, I need you guys to speak, and then maybe I'll think of one. Okay. All right, well, I, I got one for y'all. Okay. Uh, printed in the match day program at the North London Derby yesterday was a little profile of Olivier Giroud. And from the interview, one of the questions was, uh, what did you dread most as a child? And the direct quote from Olivier Giroud, this is so funny, but my brothers are older than me. I was the youngest, and they used to tease me about a kid's TV character called Alf. Do you know him? <laughs> Alf the alien. My God, he was so ugly, and I was so scared of him. My wow. brothers used to say, be careful, Alf is going to get you tonight. They went too far with it. Alf was a wonderful show. I loved Alf. Uh, Giroud did not. He was terrified. <laughs> How can you be terrified of a fuzzy little alien? Come on. 
Oh. I don't know. Kids, kids are weird. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> mm. Yeah, my final thought is going to be, you know, we'll talk more about this later in the week when we'll talk internationals, but I'm happy to see Aaron Cresswell and Jordan Pickford in the England squad, although I'm not sure either one of them is going to play, but I still think it's nice that they're there. Uh, Cresswell done a great job coming back from injury, and Pickford, he has a very ungrateful job at Sunderland, but showing um, a lot of potential. Uh all right, I got mine. It's, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans not happy about Olivier Giroud and Hugo Lloris. <laughs> Olivier Giroud, Hugo Lloris yucking it up, smiling together after the North London derby, especially when or, uh, Giroud missed a chance to uh Oh, to you mean he missed a header? Oh. I know. <laughs> what, what else is new? Lloris uh, is probably saying to him, I'm about to, I'm about to watch you miss a billion of those over the next two weeks. Come on, guys, get over yourself. These these are two guys. They're about to get on a train together to go to Paris to play for their national team. Yeah. When you start hiring, when you start signing players, uh, foreign players to play for your team, and and you're not using strictly Arsenal and, and Tottenham Academy players, they're not going to hate each other as much as the fans hate each other. You just got to accept it. Like Wayne Rooney and Steven Gerrard are probably friends. I don't like it, but I accept it. I understand why they're friends. You know, they're England teammates. These guys are France teammates. It's the way sports are now. You know, fans hate each other a lot more than the players do, and it's it's just something you got to accept. There's yep. no reason to be mad that those two guys who are about to get on a train together are yucking it up after a game. There we go. With that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, Polly's P. Questel, WFAN, and Elliot is Keats Was Better. So we'll talk to you again later in the week. Until then, have a good one.